Hey there, Purpose Warriors. Welcome to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. This is Dr. Burnell from drburnell.com, where we believe that every season in your life serves a greater purpose. If you're new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community of purpose warriors who believe that God's best version of ourselves is hidden on the inside of us, just waiting to be awakened as we grow in our relationship and continue to say yes to what God has called us to do in the earth. We know that God's purpose for our lives was preordained and the reason why he created us. So every other week, this podcast seeks to explore how to awaken to your purpose from a practical standpoint and become God's best version of you. And we do this by touching upon our five pillars of purpose, faith, relationship, identity, resiliency, and stewardship. If you want to know more about our five pillars of purpose, head over to my website at www.drvernell.com backslash podcast. So before we dive in, I need to share with you that this podcast is being brought to you by my new book, From Pain to Purpose, where I share actionable steps, biblical principles, and life lessons on how I discovered my purpose after a painful and unexpected divorce and was left to raise two children with more than a million dollars of debt, zero access, and a negative network. My book is available on my website, again, at www.drbrunel.com, also on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever books are sold. So if you want to learn more about how to release limiting beliefs, overcome financial difficulties, experience radical breakthroughs, and step courageously into your purpose, then grab your copy today. And remember that God can use whatever unfair or unjust act, any rejection or hurtful experience, and transform your pain into your purpose. So let's jump right in. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. I have a very special guest today, Rachel Alex, who is a school principal, mother of three, who is using her life lessons to inspire those she meets. She reflects on those pivotal moments that change the trajectory of the life she planned. Remaining anchored in her faith, she has embraced the message, a faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted. Welcome, 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 Rachel. <laughs> Oh, it's so good to be here. I'm so excited to be able to have this opportunity to share some of those highs and lows and all those things that helped me grow and become the person that I am today. Amen. First of all, listen, have we all not had (laughs) highs and lows in our lives? And oftentimes those happen in the context of relationships. And I think that's part of what we're going to talk a little bit about today when it comes to your story. So why don't you just go ahead and jump right in? To your story. All right. So as I reflect on all these years, these five decades of life, starting with my adult life, I find that in the seasons, all of my seasons, I've been someone different. You know, I like to think of life as four quarters. You know, the first quarter of life, we have all these ambitions and we have this idea that all we have to do is this and then this will happen because that's just how life works out. That's what we think as a child. And so that's our first quarter. We run out there. We are just playing. We're just having a good time. And we're thinking life is supposed to happen. And then in my first quarter of my life, I like to say I got married. I was 19 years old when I got pregnant, but I was 20 when I got married. So that's not the plan that I thought it would, how it would go. But of course it did. 
And then it happening that way, I know that I didn't know who I was, but I didn't know that. I thought I knew who I was. I knew what I wanted to do. I had every idea in the world and how it was going to happen. You know, being in that first quarter, you think that's just how it goes. Life works just like you plan it, right? The people that it didn't work out for, they didn't plan for it, right? Mm-hmm. So we get into this marriage and all those things. I'll never forget one of the things my mother asked. She's like, you're getting married. She said, do you like him? And I wonder, like, why would she ask me if I like him? I love him. That's not, that's going to be my husband. That's my children's father. And I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. And when you are married for nearly 20 years, there are many things that you learn that happen in a marriage that has nothing to do with love. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, and we're all excited and it's warm, fuzzy, and we think it's all of those things and the excitement of just being there, laying together, that part right there. Mm-hmm. When the kind of marriage, the kind of love that it takes to be in a marriage, it is sacrificing, it's compromising. Mm-hmm. You know, the picture of it does not look like your wedding day. You know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't. It looks totally different. And you have to like the person. You just have to because love won't be enough sometimes. I love you. I, I love you. Ask you that though, but why did she ask you if you liked him? Was it something that she saw in maybe who you were or the interaction between the two of you? Because it's a really interesting question to ask. Yeah. Later, <laughs> I learned, I had to, I was like, that was just a crazy question. Why would she ask me that? So yeah, the thing about it is, is that when you're older, you know how you can look back and you know that what it's going to take and you look at your child or you look at the person going through the They have no idea how much that life is going to change. There is so much going to happen. You think you know, but you have no idea. Because Mm -hmm. the one thing that I know that we do, my mother did it, I did it, is when the real realities of life and relationships show up, we don't put that in front of our kids. So we really don't see the real part. We see the part that on stage behavior, Mm -hmm. we see those pieces. But we don't realize what's happening backstage. And so that's what we end up seeing. It's just like, you know, we show up, we do this, we come together, that's it. But we don't realize all the other parts that it takes to happen. I think when I got married and I had my first child and the thought that came to my mind was, I don't know how to do this. Like outside of what you see maybe on television, what you might see in your family, you just don't see the day to day of what it means to take care of a child. And arguably, you may not see the day-to-day of what a healthy and a strong marriage looks like. So you jump in there thinking it's going to be one thing, and you find yourself trying to navigate and figure these things out. And then the problem with that is when life happens, it's like, you know, you can destroy something that was once beautiful. So yeah, just that's what I was thinking. But you don't know. We see it after... We don't see the argument that happened in the bedroom or the car while we had to go outside and have a conversation. <laughs> we don't see that part. We don't see the times that our mother or father, whatever, has cried in the shower and had to get themselves together before they came to see us. We don't know that those things are happening. So mm-hmm. what happens is, is when we're going through, we think we're failing mm-hmm. because we never saw anyone else. I mean, other people that's been married, they've done it. They're, they seem to be fine. But that's the story that's never told. And it makes the transition and the understanding of, oh, that's normal. Mm. Mm -hmm. And we don't know that. So we think we're failing and and we do it wrong. We end up making desperate decisions. We end up wanting to get our lick back. We end up wanting to do a lot of things that aren't right. Right. (laughs) Yes, because I got to get mine in. (laughs) 
really not marriage. Mm-hmm. So that's where I found in that first season, that first season, I say in those 20s, I have three children in my 20s. Mm. And I was a different person every single time because I got older and I learned. I got older and I learned. And I became more and more what someone else needed, meaning my first child. And then being a mother with kids, because after you have one, then you have two as kids. And then now you have three kids. And I became so much for them and for my husband and for everyone else that who I thought I was, I didn't even realize that she had disappeared. There was like no evidence of that. Can I stop you right there? Because I think that you're touching upon something that is really relevant for a lot of women, which is this idea of the loss of identity. And so like you give so much of yourself in your relationship, your marriage, and then the relationship that you have with your kids that one day it almost feels like you wake up and you really don't know yourself anymore. You may not even know what you like. Right. And so I think those are the things that people don't always talk about because we get so focused on the day of the wedding. Right. And this idea of blissfulness that we don't really pull back the layer. And the reason why we don't do it is because it's embarrassing. Right. (laughs) And because you don't want to admit, especially if you consider yourself a high achiever, you don't want to admit failure in any area of your life. And so I just, I like when you were saying that, I was like, let's pause right there because I, because <laughs> yeah. sometimes to hear that, because I think we take on that badge of, I failed at this, I failed at that, and therefore I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. And you do, and it is hard for that overachiever. So you keep trying, some give up, mm-hmm. and then others will just keep trying, but not realizing that you're really killing it. You really are doing well, but we, the image that we saw, did not show us, there was no evidence that there was struggle. It was just showing up, making it happen because that's what we do. But then we go into a quiet struggle and we don't want to show anyone that because I need to look like I have it all together, which is one of the biggest mistakes I would say, even with my daughters for them to realize it wasn't until they were adults. They were like, mom, you went through that or you felt like that or you, they were surprised because they did like you. And I'm like, oh baby, yes. Because now they're adults and the things that they're going through, they think that their struggles are just to themselves. So they want to keep it to themselves. And so that's what ends up happening. And people just have mistake after mistake after mistake when all they had to realize was it's okay. Mm-hmm. But, but you say, you know, talk to me. But who did we talk to? We were told we were raised. I was raised with whatever happens in this house stays in this house. So you don't say anything. You suffer silently and it's hard. And then what happens is you begin to resent things and then you really start inventorying and you look at your day, you're like, none of my day, none of my time, none of my effort, none of my talent is for everybody else. There's nothing in my life that's happening that's for me. Mm-hmm. And watching mothers and all that go through it, I didn't really see them do anything for them. They were just always there. You know, you go to your mom's house now. If they're not there, it's like, wait a minute, where are you? Because they're real people but we just don't see it. And I didn't see that. Well, naturally, after years and years and years of more and more feeling like I'm giving so much more of myself, and it felt like I just, no one was hearing that I needed something. And when I did need something, I felt like I was being punished Mm -hmm. for needing it. And that right there, it just, at some point, you just feel like, why am I taking a lick for needing what I need? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm expressing it. And I'm making sure everyone else is taken care of. 
but nobody's taking care of me, including myself. Mm, okay. Okay. So after nearly 20 years, I said, I'm done. I did. I walked away with whatever could fit in my car. And I walked away from it all. I've walked away from a house, that, a beautiful two-story home that was paid for, a lifestyle that was very comfortable, to an apartment and slept on an air mattress. And I was okay with that. Because for the first time in a long time, I had peace. And it became evident of how much of myself that I had lost was when my oldest daughter was going through debutante in her senior year. You know, you have to put together photos of your family, you know, and all those things. And I went back for years and years and there were no pictures of myself. Like I felt like I literally disappeared. Mm, That's interesting. And I realized that. So I had to start doing some real reflecting on where did I get lost? And who am I really? Because the questions I begin to ask myself is simple things like, Rachel, what do you like? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have an answer for that because you always just absorb what's, whatever's best and easiest and convenient for everybody else. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I liked anymore. So let me ask you this. So let's peel back this onion just a little <laughs> bit more. Because what you said was you just packed up whatever you could get in your car and you left everything behind just to get to a place of peace. What was the catalyst for you? Like what happened? And the thing is, is when the last thing that happened was when you get to a place of needing something that you feel like is so simple Mm. and you're denied it. And all of a sudden it doesn't hurt anymore. It stopped hurting. It just stopped. And you realize, you know what? I'm not getting what I need here. So I'm done. I'm done. Counseling at all? You know what? You guys do counseling at all? I asked for it for a long time. I I begged for it for a long time and I didn't get it. Mm. Didn't get it. Then after I left, well, then there was like, well, do you want to? Well, at this point, why would you let me get Mm. to it? Why would you you want to listen now that I left? And there is a level of offense at that point because I've given you like 20 years of my life and I never thought I would ever get a divorce because that's not something. It happens in my family, which is the one thing that I will always carry and feel like I just couldn't make it happen, but it takes two. And I had to work on that and forgive myself. I felt like a failure and I had to overcome that part of this could not have been God's best for me. Mm. There were some decisions that I made on my own. Mm-hmm. And I know that, but I did not understand that until I got older because of the things that happened after that, when I learned how to listen and be obedient, everything fell into place and it was so easy. It was so simple. It didn't hurt. It was natural. Mm, mm, okay. 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 Mm-hmm. So for years after that, I had that I will never get married again because I had given so much of myself. Mm, okay. I was loving who I was. Just the fact that I was at this place of my career took off at mm. a whole different level because there was a level of comfort in me being right there and keeping things very simple in my life. But that's never been me. I've always been a big personality and aspirational and all those things. But all of that part of me was no longer there because it wasn't convenient for everyone else. Mm, okay. But then I got to be more of myself. I got to be more of myself. My relationship with God was better. My relationship with my children. They were like, my children were like, I didn't even know you were like this, mom. And I'm like, you're really getting to know who I am now. Or they saw me as the person that always took care of everything at home. But they didn't realize that I could take care of home and do these other things, too. So mm-hmm. I became more dynamic. I became more of myself. And, I, and again, 
loving every bit of that. Loved it. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I dated some, but I was never at a place where I thought marriage, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And then one day I met this man, mm-hmm. marriage number two. And he was a wonderful man, not my typical type of man, as far as physically mm-hmm. or any of those things. He was so different and different in a way that there was an awakening in my spirit and that it was almost scary because you know how Tyler Perry movies, the man says the right things all the time. Like, who told you to say that? Who wrote that? <laughs> I'm serious. This was this man. And it was so important to him that every morning he would call me and he'd pray over me before I went to work. Mm-hmm. Every morning. That's what he would do. That was part of it. And then, you know, things that he wanted to read out about. We need to read scripture. The Bible says these things about a husband. He says things about this, you know, all those things were so important. And he wanted to be just and right when it came to understanding his role and the way God intended him to be as a husband. Mm-hmm. Now, I know men that want to get married, but this man wanted to be a husband. And those are two totally different things. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And understanding God's will for that. And in turn, what happens is that sometimes we go into the next relationship. I don't care how much time with the knowledge that we know. I know that this is the type of wife I was because this is the type of wife that I saw. And he made it very clear. That's not the type of wife that I want. He made that very clear. That's not for you to have to worry about. That's not it. When you have to think about if you're my helpmate, these are the things I need. And he was sure about what those were. And I'm like, that's it? <laughs> like, that's it? Like, you know, you know, I mean, just all of those. It, it was almost like, like my whole life just became more simplified. And with everything, his expectations were to always put him in position so that he can be that husband. Because, you know, I'm independent. Can I ask you a question about that? It's just what I think is just incredibly interesting is that sometimes when you go through a divorce and you feel like you've given your all to the point of depletion, yes, the last thing you want is to enter into another relationship slash marriage and feel that someone else is trying to suck the life out of you. And so it puts you sometimes on this fence. It doesn't mean that you're not necessarily going to get married again or that you're not open to it, but you definitely start recognizing, okay, are you kind of like a parasite? Because if you are, this is not going to work for me. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. I'm telling you, I tell people this all the time. The mind doesn't go where the heart hasn't been. Mm. Okay. So. If you felt something and it looks familiar, you want to go there. I was single for eight years after a divorce and I love being single, mm-hmm. but this man, and I said, like, why do you want to marry me? Like, why are you so convinced that I am this person? He said, God told it. Really? <laughs> like, how did that, how does, like, really? He told yeah, you me. Tell me who then. <laughs> he told my name. He said, no, you need to go talk to Rachel. I, and he was so convinced. He was so convinced and he wanted to make sure that I knew my purpose for him and I knew his purpose for me. He was so certain about it. And our marriage in our time together, I learned more about what it meant to be spiritually fed, what it meant to understand my role and purpose when it comes to what God has put me here for. And being able to define what those are and be able to stay in line with those pieces and be aware of those derailers, things that may distract me to pay attention to where'd that come from? 
mm-hmm. and you know, just being cognizant of those pieces. And I'll never forget, we were, now mind you, I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we just do things totally different than, <laughs> and mind you, a generational Catholic. You're like, that's just what you did. You were Catholic. There was never a discussion about it. And matter of fact, why are you marrying a man that's not Catholic type thing, right? This man's not, not any of these things. And I learned more about faith. I learned more about understanding that when you ask God to use you as an instrument mm-hmm. and that whole statement of if your faith can be tested, it can be trusted. No one ever said that life was not going to happen. You're like, if I'm good, nothing will ever happen. Mm-hmm. Or people say, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. No one ever said that you were exempt from any of it. So just because you've done these things does not mean that your faith won't be tested. Mm-hmm. That's just part of it. That's part of it. The thing is, is now that you can apply it, having mm-hmm. it is one thing, but applying it is something different. When mm-hmm. you can still say amen, you can still say thank you. You can still find a way to have gratitude in the midst of all of it. Because mm-hmm. when I say this man was amazing, this man was all of those things. Mm-hmm. But that was one of those lessons that I learned with him. And the other was sometimes in life, the things that you go through is not for you. It's for somebody else. That's so mission pretty much a purpose. So, yeah, it, I'm like, wow, that stayed with me. It stayed with me. And when I say this man was just such a beautiful spirit, he just came with everything. And it was just like, who writes your lines? This man could not wait to celebrate me in every way possible. Mm -hmm. And that praise over you, praise with you. And he would just touch me and just say, thank you, God, for this woman that you have given me. I mean, just who does that? Hello. Who does that? Mm -hmm. Well, my husband did. He did. Well, I'll never forget. We were having a conversation. We were talking about, you know, husband and wife type things. And he sounded a little distracted on the phone. And I said, well, I'm going to another campus. I'll call you back. He said, okay, I'm going to finish with this customer. I said, okay. My phone rang 17 minutes later. I didn't get a chance to call him back. Mm-hmm. And it was his secretary. My husband had had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he never woke up again. So I had five months. And I didn't know that forever was five months. I did not know. Mm-hmm. No one forever. We think that it is some long amount of time or some ex- for some, we think that's what it is, but forever it just has a beginning and an end, whatever that forever is. Mm-hmm. And I had a forever that last five months and it was devastating because that was perfection. And this man set the bar. Mm. Like there is no way in the world because this man never wanted me to compromise any part of myself. Like none of it. He embraced it. If I hear Snoop Dogg, I'm a crip law. And then the same thing. <laughs> He took it all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's have you. (laughs) Yes. And the fact that the fact that, you know, I wear my power suits every day and what I have to do and all those pieces. But he was certain. And his thing was just allow me to show up as your husband. Because Mm -hmm. when you're an independent woman and you don't, you don't, I don't need a man. It's not about that. I don't, I may not need a man to pay my bills. Right. And I don't need any man, but this man, Mm -hmm. this was different. Mm. This was different. Yeah. And that was a tough pill. And it happened in the month of November, the Friday before Thanksgiving. And so Thanksgiving never was the same after that. It was just a hard, hard time. Mm -hmm. And so 
I learned a lot. But I, what I learned after that was I was in this very dark place and in a place of, why would you give me something so amazing? Make me love it and then mm. take it from me. Mm. And there's the, you can't help but feel like you were shortchanged or you were robbed of something amazing. I went through 20 years of something that challenged everything about me, that compromised everything that I thought I was. And then you gave me all things beautiful mm. and you gave me five months. What was that? You know, so you can't help but feel those things. So I know that what I was feeling was not okay because it went against everything I, I knew was right. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, when you're in it, it makes you rethink. I, can I be mad? Can I be mad? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can, but I can't stay there. Yeah. Can I be angry and bitter about everything? For a moment, I could be. I mean, I couldn't look at social media. People that had anniversaries, I just was upset with them. People that complained about their husband, I was upset with them. I was just upset with all of those things. So where you, I had to just step away from everything because everything irritated me because Mm -hmm. we didn't get our first round of holidays. We didn't get them. None of our holidays together as husband and wife, because it was over, you know? So I learned, like I said, in this process and learning how to be that would be in touch with my faith and be and practice my faith and be a believer of all things that are happening is for my good. So, like I said, I grew up Catholic. Mm. Well, we have this thing during Lent where we call ourselves fasting on Fridays. And I say that, call ourselves as a generational Catholic. And so that means our fasting is we eat no meat on Friday. So really, we eat fish and shrimp. That doesn't quite seem like a sacrifice to me. (laughs) Okay. It just doesn't. It's not. But I learned what fasting was. Okay. So together we found a church that we wanted to go to because he didn't want to go to Catholic church and I didn't want to go to any church, but we found a non-denominational church. Mm-hmm. And then this church was where we went as a couple mm-hmm. and they had a fast in January. So this happened in November, end of November, he died early January and they had the, the church fast in January. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know anything about it. I, they had the book. They talked about it. And I'm like, yeah, we do that. Like I give up ice cream for, you know, during that time. Okay. I, Jesus didn't die on the cross for me to give up ice cream and meat. That's just not what it's about, right? That we just, uh, yeah, I think that we've modernized the idea mm-hmm. of fasting. So to fast from this one thing or mm-hmm. feel like it's sacrificial. Mm-hmm. When you look at how Jesus fasted or Daniel fasted, like what mm-hmm. a fast actually looks like, mm-hmm. the way that we oftentimes will do it is very different. Now, I'm not downing if someone wants to fast from some things. So in other mm-hmm. words, if you go to God and you're like, Father, I know this is something that is sacrificial. Like I'm going right. to sacrifice. I'm going to um, refrain from, abstain from, right? God mm-hmm that. But no, I feel what you're saying about this idea around fasting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. The idea of, I didn't know what it was. I just did it during that time because it was on count. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when I talk about my fasting, I'm talking about being in prayer for something because my spiritual desire is greater than my earthly desire. Now, if it was ice cream, but I'm in prayer for it because I want this more than I want that. I want to be spiritually connected. I need it to be cleansed. I need it to be made whole again. But I kept wanting to, I kept having to realize what I didn't realize at first. I wanted to feel like myself be back to normal. Mm. But what I learned through that process is you don't go through anything like that to come out 
and be the same. You want to be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to be renewed. You need all of that. So thinking you're going to go back to your old self just negates the whole part of the lesson mm-hmm. that goes there. So you really have to grow through what you go through. And that's where I really understood that faith that I'll never forget. It was the third day of fasting. I was laying in bed and I heard this loud music. I like it was on 10. And when I say loud music, I mean like coming through the walls. Like I cannot believe these kids are playing this music. Mm-hmm. I woke up, I tossed and turned with it. I woke up and the house was silent. Mm. But what I kept hearing on repeat, you know how when you're a kid, a record would get scratched and it would play one part over and over again. Mm-hmm. I kept hearing the verse, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Mm-hmm. I heard it on repeat in my head. But when I woke up, it was silence. I'd never experienced anything like that, but that happened when I was at a place where I was listening, I wasn't listening. At first, I was talking. I was reacting. I was responding, but I wasn't listening. That's a message right there all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the power of fasting, which I thought I'd been doing my entire life. Mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. But I didn't understand what it was. And now I do. So every time I make a decision or anything going forward, or I'm in whatever it is, struggle, mm-hmm whatever it is. And it's fasting for me because it helps me hear. I'm paying attention. My listening level is so much more because it forces me to be quiet. Mm -hmm. What I also learned in this season, well, of course, was humility. Because I'm such an overachiever and I am very planned, intentional, and in control of so many things, Mm -hmm. I realize how much of control I do not have. Right. Okay. I don't. I don't. And I had to learn mm-hmm. in that season that because with that, that control thing that I thought I had, I think I had my biggest test because I had to agree to stop life support for my this man, this wonderful man. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I had pastor there to tell me, Rachel, you are not that powerful to only person that speaks life and gives life is God. You just made a decision to unplug the machine. But when he left, that was not your decision. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of forgiveness that had to happen in that place because that's hard, especially over, I got to just explain how amazing this man was in my forever that lasted five months. Mm. So, so many life lessons with him in such a short time, which in turn brings me to husband number three. Husband number three. Okay, Okay, let's talk about it. Okay. (laughs) Number three is. (laughs) All the things, I mean, he is. Now, don't get me wrong. He didn't come to me knowing all the spiritual connections or all those things, being a Catholic man. But you know what? He embraced it and learned it. Because. Let me ask you this first, because I, you know, I'm sure people are going to be curious to hear this or kind of like your response to it anyway. Uh Like, what is it for you that has kept you so open to love again after one situation didn't work out the way you envisioned? Definitely the second one did not to even open, because like, that's hard. Divorce is. is hard. It is the death of something. And Mm -hmm. go through a season of the the death of someone, right? That you adore. How do you open yourself or how did you open yourself 
back up to that possibility. And the only reason I'm asking you this is because I think that there are listeners out there who have had difficulty and different challenges one way or another. It could be some type of abuse that is taking place and you're just like, I'm not going to do this again. And it doesn't mean that you're saying like, okay, of course you don't want to be abused again, but it is like relationships. And so describe for us, for you, how you got to that place and space of being so open again for love the third time. So between one and two, it just got to a point where I wanted someone to love. I wanted to love somebody because there was a part, so much of me, I could not share with anybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was cut off because I refused to let anyone get close to me. There's no need for me to share these things with you because you're not going to be here. I'm not going to spend my holidays with you. I'm not going to do any of those things because that's not what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was healed and I was better. And I say that and I say healed and I was better because I was no longer mad. Mm -hmm. I did not resent one day of that nearly two decades that I gave before. I didn't resent it. The thing about it is, is what I had to end up realizing is that we did what we knew how. Mm-hmm. And then that's okay. And that's okay. And so once I forgave myself also for allowing myself to go through a couple of decades of it and recognizing now, so what did I learn from this? What is it that I need in the next relationship? And how do I communicate that? And then mm-hmm. what happens if somebody says, mm, I don't know about that? Mm-hmm. Then that's okay. I have to be okay with them walking away or me walking away. I have to be okay with that. And I had to at first give myself permission, small permissions to let things not work out, even though I hoped it did, simply because that's what they were there for. And for me to try on this new person that I am, everybody's not going to be ready for those new steps. But I had to go ahead and bet and see, is this the right person? And the thing is, if it's just somebody who's looking for somebody, no, I need you to meet somebody that's looking for me. Yeah. So thank you so much. I think that really resonated for me. And one of the things that I tell people about just kind of like relationships, especially when something falls apart, right? And people say, well, I do want to be in another relationship. I always ask, are you open to being hurt again? Because you cannot go through this life and through relationships thinking that you are not going to be, you're going to be hurt. But your ability to really rebound from the hurt, how you respond to it, and when you are in a season of so much pain, it's really important to let God heal you of the brokenheartedness because whatever's not healed, you're going to take it right into the next thing. Now that right there is the truth. And it is going to metastasize when you go into the new thing that you're asking and praying God to bring you into because you chose not to seek healing and deliverance. Meaning for a lot of people, some people don't know how to be by themselves. They always want to be in something and they jump from one thing to the next, even in the midst of pain, right? That we've conditioned ourselves in some type of way to do that instead of sitting in solitude with God. And so, yeah, I mean, I just love what you just shared. I think it's very timely. I think it's also very necessary and very needy. I'm going to go ahead and start bringing us in. Are there any kind of like, Final thoughts you want to tell us about your hubby right now and then where you are? Yes. The thing is, is as you get to this stage in life, you can't go through all of these happenings and misfortunes 
to not be really clear about who you are and what you need in your life. You cannot. Mm-hmm. And one thing that is true is that you have to realize is that there's no one, no perfect relationship. Mm-hmm. When you say that this person is my everything, you are being naive to the fact that there's not one person that's going to be everything. You have relationships with people, but they're all purpose partners. The mm-hmm. question is, is what is their purpose in your life? And are you sure that you have the right people in the right seat? This might be somebody that's in your life, but you may not have them in position in the right place. My husband is wonderful about so many things, but he's not my purpose partner for certain things. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what, first of all, let's I'm pause it right there. Because <laughs> my coach was sharing with me and some other folks who he's coaching. Just love Dr. Darius Daniels. That's um, from his book. Girl, hello. I'm about to just, I'm about to plug this in. One of the things that he talks about is like recognizing who you do life with and then who you build with, because those might be two different people, but you have to identify what category people are in because you'll have expectations of, okay, I'm doing life with this person and we need to be building this thing, but mm -mm -mm, maybe they're just the person you're doing life with, but they're not the person you're going to build with. And so you have to kind of like identify where folks are in the relationship that you have. And so, oh God, that was so good. Yes, a purpose partner. And we- Purpose partners. Lord send purpose partners. We pray that the Lord sends an Aaron, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Joshua, right? Somebody who's a confident, confidant, and then somebody who is a soldier. Okay. Yes. Yes. Somebody going to up and somebody else who's going to go to war. And so, yes, amen, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so we have read the same book and it's so powerful when you reevaluate. And I think people need to realize that there's learning to do in relationships. And Mm -hmm. just because you go through relationships don't mean that you're learning how to do relationships because you just know how to get involved with somebody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when you want to live a purpose-driven life, you have to reflect. And I love how he says, when you think about the fruit that they bear, considering the fruit that comes from them, the people that are around and all those things. Good trees bear good fruit. Mm-hmm. Bad trees bear bad fruit. Pay attention to what's happening and what's going on around them because that's going to be your information. You have to analyze things that are happening and approach it as such because otherwise you will find that you will mismanage your generosity, as he says, mm-hmm. when you give yourself to others and it will be mismanaged. You will feel like you've been taken for granted. Mm-hmm. You will feel resentful. You will feel all those things unless you realize what their assignment is in your life. I think, amen. Yes, yes, and yes. I think also we need to teach some of these life lessons to the younger generation because it was never, I would say, arguably taught to us. And so then we get into these vicious cycles of continuing what our parents and probably their parents went through of this idea of being silent in these relationships. Not to say that you need to disclose all of this stuff to your kids because it wasn't until, you know, I released my book and my kids read it that Mm -hmm. they understood. And again, that is from my standpoint. And it really wasn't about, you know, their father per se, but it was more about how I grew up in God and how I really came to know God in the context of these things. And divorce was just one of those things um, that happened in those seasons of my life. And so my daughter, when she read it, she said, I loved how you described daddy, right? Because I really, the way that I saw him, 
it was distorted, <laughs> but she liked it nonetheless. So, you mm-hmm. know, what I mean? trying to tear him down or anything like that. My son no. started seeing it and he stopped and said, you know, I can't take it. It's too sad. Like, I don't like knowing that you were that sad. And so, like my brother said this, and he said, I'm always going to support you, but I'm never going to read it. <laughs> He's like, he doesn't want to see that. But I mm-hmm. think we have a responsibility to educate other people about these things. And so that you don't have to go through what we've been through, all the heartache and pain. You're going to experience some of that, but you don't have to experience the death of something and prayerfully not the death of someone, the context of your relationship, your marriage and things of that nature. But anyway, Rachel, I just really, really, really enjoyed listening to your story and just hearing all the things, just the growth that has taken place with you. And then also kind of seeing like God's hand on your life and how he continues to bless you because not everybody is released and delivered in the way that you were and healed so that they can continue to live the life that he gave, right? Because sometimes we'll just pause that life. I'm so thankful again for the growth, for you coming on. And I just want to know, like, where can people find you? If they want to connect with you, Rachel, Alex, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter, Rachel W. Alex. And I post all the time seeing the work that I do with consulting and leading as I'm growing principals and central office people in education. So that's where I keep my professional life is on Twitter. So Rachel W. Alex. And I hope to see some new followers soon. Oh, that would be so lovely. And um, as with all things, if you like what you heard, please share this out. Please follow Rachel. She is a phenomenal person and also a phenomenal woman of God. And yet again, just thank you so much again, Rachel, for coming on today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Beyond my book, if you're interested in learning more about how to become God's best version of yourself by awakening to your purpose, consider enrolling in my online course, which you'll find on my website again, which is www.drvernell.com because God's love for you and the reason why he created you is greater than you will ever know. And guess what? He wants you to succeed in carrying out your purpose.